Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Rick Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Good evening, everyone. Welcome to Abundant Life. We're so glad that you're able to be with us tonight. I believe we're going to have a good time together if you're in your homes and living rooms. Thank you for tuning in tonight, and uh, you should receive something encouraging and be blessed for being with us. Before we go to the Lord in prayer, I would like to remind you that Becky and Steve Whitman are going through a great trial right now with Steve's health, and I'm asking you, if you would, to please stand with me for just a moment. We will pray for them and pray for our time together tonight. Jesus, we are so thankful to know that your word will not return void, but accomplish that which pleases you. And we pray, Lord, that the word that is broadcast from this place will find hungry hearts in good soil, that faith will be built in your people and they will be encouraged and strengthened from the word. We pray for Becky and for Steve tonight, Lord, that your presence will be felt in their home, that your grace will be sufficient and your strength will be made perfect in them. Let everything that's done here tonight be for your glory and we'll give you the thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated if you are standing. My text tonight is Joshua chapter 3, and we're going to read four verses together. Joshua 3, verse 1 through 4. Joshua rose up early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and commanded the people, saying, When you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way heretofore. And tonight I'd like to speak to you on this subject. You've never been this way before. You've never been this way before. Considering the day we are in and what we are facing, not only as a state, a nation, and even as a world, we have never in my lifetime been here before. This is brand new for every one of us. And when people get afraid, they have a tendency to start pointing fingers and blaming somebody for the situation. Yet we all go through it together. I've also noticed something uh, of a dramatical change from when I was growing up. I've also noticed how much the news has changed. The news has changed. We have more cable news networks than we have ever had before. We have four different networks on most people's channels that they get, and they are just jam-packed with news. I thought that it was more than ever before, so I looked at a TV guide, and I want to share with you just a couple of the results. In the four major networks, their news broadcasting begins at 4.30 a.m. in the morning. Some of them run until 10 a.m. 
Then at lunch, they have another one hour. They resume their news at 4 p.m. and go until about 6.30 p.m. And then at night, at 10 o'clock, we get another half hour to an hour. But some of the things that I've noticed about the news is that it's not really news at all. Sometimes it's bad and it's not even new, it's old. I've noticed a lot of editorials and a lot of commenting rather than just reporting the facts. And I've also noticed that when I tend to watch too much news, it begins to affect my spirit. It begins to cause me great concern because it's almost as if they get on without saying it and say, we have searched our communities, our state, even our nation, and we are about to give you the worst possible news that we could give you today. And for the next 18 minutes, you will hear bad news. At 18 minutes after, the weather will come on. It will last about three to four minutes. Since there is no sports anymore, there'll be a human interest story, a bunch of commercials, and then they will sign off. Be careful, be careful that you don't let this affect your spirit and your thinking. I remember brother and sister Jeff and Shelley Brown teaching us, they said, before we speak or before we consider repeating a matter, it would be wise of us to ask three things about the topic. Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? Is it true? Is it kind? And is it necessary? And if it doesn't meet this criteria, then perhaps we shouldn't talk about it at all. Philippians chapter four and verse eight says, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, then think on these things. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do, the result will be this, that the God of peace will be with you. If you don't have peace tonight, if you're afraid and fearful, maybe you should consider what you're thinking about and what you are observing When I first came into the church, one of our favorite songs was, Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above him, there's no other. Jesus is the way. And we would sing that over and over again as good news to the difficulty of our situation. Sometime later, there was a song that followed up to Jesus is the answer, and it was called Jesus is still the answer. He's the answer for your soul. And though some may say he doesn't fit with their philosophy, I know Jesus is still the answer, always been and always will be. So you'll have to ask yourself a question. What am I listening to? 
and whose report will I believe? The gospel means the good news. We need some good news. And I know that's why you're tuned in tonight. If you want peace, you might have to go on a media fast. And if you want to feast on something, how about Bible reading? How about prayer? And how about worship? And if you receive this instruction and you follow the principles of God's word, the God of peace will be with you. Now let me go back to a time that Israel had never faced before in 430 years and speak to you about a man by the name of Moses. You see, Israel needed a Moses to deliver them from the land of Egypt because when they leave Egypt, they are going to a place that they have never been before. For 430 years, they've lived inside of Egypt. Nobody but nobody has left except Moses. He's the only one that had ever been out. And when they leave, be before they part, the Lord speaks to Moses, not to the nation, but to his leader in Exodus 14 and verse one. The Lord spoke unto Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel that they turn and camp before Pilroth between Migadol and the sea and over against Balzaphon. Before it you shall encamp by the sea. He tells them the exact spot that they are to go and stop. And then he says, because Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are entangled in the land and the wilderness has shut them in. They are confused. They don't know where they're going. They will be easily recaptured. But I, verse four, will harden Pharaoh's heart that he shall follow after them and I will be honored upon Pharaoh and upon his host that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. The God was telling Moses, I have brought you to this spot and I have walked them right into my trap. Have you ever thought that maybe you're not in God's will? that you're in the wrong position? Have you ever felt like maybe it's your fault that something bad could happen to you? Surely Israel felt this way when they saw the dust rising and the chariots and the army of the Egyptians coming after them knowing that they were pinned against the sea. Bad positioning on Moses' part. And so they immediately complained against Moses for this positioning. But notice in verse 19 that as the Egyptians approach, it says, the angel of God, which went before the camp of Israel, removed and went behind them. And the pillar of the cloud went from before their face and stood behind them. And it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. It was a cloud and a darkness to them, but it gave light by night to these, so that the one came not near the other all the night. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night, and he made the sea dry land, 
and the waters were divided. Here, God has brought them to a spot against the sea where the Egyptians think they have an easy prey until God circles around and gets between them and the Egyptians. Isn't it good to know that God will get between you and your enemies? God will get between you and your problems and all they will see is darkness and they will be so fearful that they will stop advancing against you while on the other side, it's light. It's like daytime in the evening. Darkness on one side, light on the other, and God is in the center of, of it all. And because they cannot approach, God opens up the wind, and the wind begins to blow. Is it possible that the position that God put his people in actually created a wind tunnel when God blew the wind over the tops of the mountain and focused the, the energy of the wind so severely that it put a hole right in the sea through a strong east wind that blew all night long. And as the waters began to billow and roll backwards, it opened up the sea, dried it up, and allowed them to walk through. Maybe now we see that the positioning was all a part of God's plan and that all things will work together for good to those that love God and are the called according to his purpose. And once he's got the sea opened up and once the ground is dry enough for them to walk on, the pillar of fire that was behind them literally pushes them. They no longer have a choice as to where they're going to go. It's either that or be burned by the fire. And so they move forward in the direction that God wants them to go. And once all of Israel gets through the Red Sea miraculously, all God has to do is tell Moses, stretch forth your rod again, Moses. And when he stretches forth his rod, this time all God has to do is tell the wind to cease. Because when the wind ceases, gravity takes over. And the sea comes crashing down on those that thought that they could follow and destroy God's people. And all of the Egyptians are washed up from the wind that blows behind Israel to the opposite side of the shore so that no Egyptian will ever even be seen by the Israelites ever again. What a great God we serve. And they had never seen anything like it before. We in this day need three things to guide us, in my opinion. Number one, three things to guide us. We need the word of God. John 14 and 6, Jesus said, I am the way singular, the truth singular, and the life singular. And no man cometh unto the Father but by me. We need the word which became flesh to guide us. The second thing we need to guide us is we need the Spirit of God. Matthew chapter 16 and verse 13 says, Howbeit when he, the Spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Why? Because we've never been here before. 
If everything was the same, if every experience we had was duplicated over and over, why would we need the Spirit of God to open up our understanding? Or why would we need to follow the leading of the Spirit if everything was just so cut and dry? But we need God for every situation that we face, the ones we're familiar with and the ones that we have never experienced before. And then the third thing that we need to guide us is we need a man of God. I can say this because I am not the pastor anymore, but you should thank God for your pastor. Just as God spoke to the prophets and to the leaders of Israel, he speaks to the men of God today to lead and guide his people through whatever crisis, whatever trial they might face. I know I am and I believe most all of you are, are praying for Pastor Cordell and asking God to direct him and help him to make good and godly decisions. I know for a fact that he listens to the district board, his superintendent and even the general superintendent in advising us as to how to proceed in a place that we have never been before. So pray for your pastor. The man of God will guide us. Hebrews 13 and verse 17 says, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account that they might do it with joy and not with grief. That would be unprofitable to you. So pray for us for we trust we have a good conscience in all things willing to live honestly. Did you know that your pastor gets to fill out a report card on you? They will give an account of every member in their flock. And so we should pray for them because shepherds are given to us for four things. To protect, to direct, to lead, and to feed. So pray for those that are helping to guide us. And finally, I, I want to share this with you. I, I am not going to speak very long tonight. Do you remember the first time you ever came to a Pentecostal church? Do you remember walking through the doors and, and hearing such loud music? Do you remember walking into a sanctuary and seeing people rather than sitting with their hands folded, standing with their arms raised up, worshiping God uninhibited, unreserved? Do you remember that? Do you remember how difficult it was for you to understand what was happening? Do you know why? Because you'd never been this way before. You'd never seen this before. And yet to the people that were in that sanctuary, they were familiar with it. I thought of this just before I, I stepped into this pulpit tonight. I think that we can take God for granted sometimes and our great liberties and our great blessings. How many times did we come to church and never were we ever inhibited from not being able to assemble? And we just took it for granted. It's always going to be this way. And, 
And you know, sometimes we even got lazy spiritually and, and didn't pray for a service at all. We just thought other people will pray and the preachers prepared a message and the singers have it all together. I can just walk in and eat it up. <clears throat> and it's always gonna be that way. But now it's not. Now I'm, I'm looking at empty pews and speaking to people over live streaming some people are hearing only an audio. What has happened? We have never <clears throat> been in this place before. And I think when we come back to church, there's going to be a Holy Ghost explosion. We're going to have a new thankfulness for our liberty. We're going to acknowledge how blessed we are to be able to be in the presence of God with the family of God, enjoying God's favor and blessings, but we've maybe taken that for granted as a church. I talked with Brother Marty for just a moment before service and I said, I, I never saw this coming. Fool me once, I think that we've been taken advantage of. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. I'm not gonna fall for this another time. I'm not gonna take for granted the blessings and the favor of God. I'm gonna worship with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm gonna be more determined and more zealous than I've ever been toward the kingdom of God, toward evangelism, toward reaching people, not taking things for granted. And I hope you will too. But back to the first time that you came. I, I don't wanna leave that just yet. You never saw anybody worship the way that these people worshiped. And then when the preacher stood in the pulpit, you never heard anybody speak the way he spoke. He spoke with authority. He opened his Bible. He read the scripture. It wasn't a documentary. It wasn't boring. It was exciting. You were on the edge of your chair. You may have even felt like, did somebody tell the preacher that I was the one coming to church tonight? Because he spoke directly to you. Do you know why? Because God had prepared you, had prepared the man of God, had prepared the service to minister to your needs. And you had never experienced anything like this before. And when the preacher stood up and said, all right, we're gonna to go to the Lord in prayer right now. You expected that he would ask everybody to bow their head. And while your eyes were closed, you thought the preacher would read a prayer out of a book. It would be so eloquent and you would see him flip pages while he was praying. No, no, you didn't see that. Because now when you came to church, the man of God stood in the pulpit, lifted up his hands, and prayed from the sincerity and the burden of his heart, along with the members of the congregation. It wasn't a one-man show. Everybody was involved. Everybody was giving their best in prayer, their best in worship. Everybody loved everybody. People going out of their way to hug on one another and shake hands and be friendly and smile. You'd never seen any of that before. You thought you were just gonna go and put your one hour in and endure to the end, so to speak. That's not the way that God ever intended for it to be. 
You never experienced coming to an altar and getting on your knees and confessing your sins to God, not to a man, but to God. You never felt so released as you spoke out and said, God, I'm so sorry for the way that I've lived, for the things that I've done. I'm ashamed of my behavior. I don't want to live this way anymore. I want what they got. I want peace, joy, and righteousness in the Holy Ghost. And how about the day that you were baptized in Jesus' name? How did it feel when you came up out of that water knowing that every one of your sins had been washed away? You never felt so clean because you had never been this way before. But now, now you felt clean. And how about that emptiness in your soul? How about when God filled you with the Holy Ghost and you began to speak in a language that you had never learned before? What was that like? Could you describe that to me? Are are there any terms that you could give me that would fully express the joy that you received when you received the Holy Ghost? I think the Bible even calls it joy unspeakable and full of glory. Why? Because you had never been to this place before. So if I can enjoy all that God can give to me, feel so clean, feel such great joy, feel his love and mercy and grace, why would I ever consider going back to Egypt? I would not. I have decided for myself and I have decided for my family that as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I may not have ever been in this place before, but I'm not going back to where I came from. I wanna give you this illustration tonight a story about a woman and her children who are getting ready to go to church in the evening. They lived in the country. It was a rural area. And as it was getting time for them to go to church, the wife said to her husband, will you be going with us tonight to church? And he said, no, I've told you before. I can't believe in a God that would come down to this earth and humble himself and die on a cross like you said he did for me. That's not the kind of God that I would serve. My God is much greater than that, and he lives far above all that we live in. So you go yourselves, and I'll stay home, which he did. After his wife and children were gone for some time, he heard the wind blowing. It was winter time in a major snowstorm had blown in, the wind was howling, the snow was falling, and all of a sudden he heard a crash on his window. He didn't want to go outside, he knew it was too cold, so he waited a little while longer, and finally the wind died down a little bit, and he went to the door and cracked it open and looked out, and he saw a flock of geese, probably headed south, that had got knocked down in the storm, 
And they were just a few feet flying low toward the ground, but they were in mass confusion. He realized that these geese were going to die in this storm because they had no shelter and the crash on his window was probably one of the geese. And he thought to himself, I can't just leave this situation and walk away from it. What could I do to help these geese from dying in this storm? So he decided that he would bundle up and he went to his barn and he opened up his big barn doors as wide as he could get them And he called to the geese, said, come into the barn, come into the barn. You'll be safe in the barn, come into the barn. But the geese paid him no, never mind. And they continued to be frustrated and flying low and scattered. And since the man still felt sorry for him, he thought, maybe if I get behind him, I can push him toward the barn. And maybe I'll be able to push him in that direction and they'll figure it out. The closer he got to the geese, the more afraid the geese became of the man and they scattered all the more and he realized every effort that he had made was not working. And so he thought to himself, if only I were a goose. If I were a goose, I could lead these geese into the barn. So he thought to himself, he did have one goose and he went in the barn and got that goose out of the cage went out toward those geese and then threw his goose into the air. Well, of course, his goose had been warm and now it was cold and it knew where the barn was. So that goose flew as fast as it could into the barn and so did the other geese right behind the goose that led them into the barn. And then he thought, maybe that's what God did with us. Maybe God opened the doors of heaven, invited us, but we didn't come. Maybe God tried to come from behind us and and steer us, but we still didn't come. So God became a man so that he could lead mankind to the safety of the barn that we call heaven. I want to read one passage of scripture to you and then I'll pray with you and we'll stop for tonight. Hebrews chapter four and verse 14. Seeing then that we have a great high priest that has passed into the heavens, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold fast our profession. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, meaning diseases and illnesses, but was in all points tempted like as we are and yet without sin. So let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need. Let me pray with you. Because I believe some of you are going through some pretty tough stuff. You might be fearful, anxious, worried. You might be going through an illness, a difficulty, a trial, a financial burden. Whatever it is that you're going through, I want you to know that God manifests himself in flesh 
so that he could experience everything that you would ever experience. That would qualify him to be able to not only relate to you, but powerful enough as God to meet your needs. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray for every person that's hearing this message. I pray that first and foremost, they would realize you know where they are at. You know what they need and you are able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that they could ask or think. Let them know that you've allowed them to be in this position, but you're right there with them. That you will get between them and their problems and their needs and you will meet those needs and take care of them. Help them to know that you said you will never leave us nor forsake us, no, not to the end of the world. That you are faithful in all things. That your strength is made perfect in our weakness. Help us to remember, Lord, that we need to trust you in all things and thank you for all things. Help us to live our lives in a way that not only pleases you, but glorifies you and encourages others to come to you for all that they need, just as we do for ourselves. And we'll give you the thanks, the praise, and all the glory. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.